Welcome to Omalort, Chicago history you never learned in school. Today, I am joined by Hugh Ye Yeeman. I almost said it wrong. <laughs> Everybody does. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I am super excited for this episode. Me too. All right. So what do you know about Obama's 2004 Senate campaign here in the good old state of Illinois? Oh, I do, my memory is being clouded by my this flood of very personal stories about my father-in-law meeting Obama on a golf course while he was relatively unknown. Other than that, I guess I couldn't say I know any specifics about Illinois. All right. I remember when this was happening. I followed it in my, in the Chicago Tribune, which is my local paper, and it was a soap opera. Okay. So Peter Fitzgerald, who was the senator from Illinois, announced that he was retiring from office after one term. He <laughs> was the first Republican senator from Illinois in 20 years. But he had an independent streak, so he had a beef with the party, and it became clear that they wouldn't support him in a second bid, and the seat was likely unwinnable. Okay. After that, a gaggle of candidates from both parties competed in the primary. The Democratic frontrunner, who was not Obama at the time, unsealed his divorce records that revealed claims of domestic violence. So Barack Obama, a state senator from Hyde Park in Chicago, won the primary. Okay, so that was the, the domestic abuse charges at that time was quaintly a showstopper. Yes, that was quaintly a showstopper. Also, there's going to be so many quaint little showstoppers. <laughs> so we've got the domestic violence, Barack Obama, on the Republican side. A rich dude with a dairy company who was in the lead made some ads that people thought were racist. So a guy named Jack Ryan won the Republican primary. Okay. These ads, I'll include them in the show notes. Now they would be commonplace. Most people, I hope, know about Obama. I'm going to go with, I don't need to do a whole background there. Community activist from the south side of Chicago, Hyde Park, yeah. went on to be state senator. Here's a little bit about Jack Ryan. He made millions working at Goldman Sachs. He left his career in banking to be a teacher on the south side of Chicago. Then decided to run for office on a national level. Also, he looked like a senator straight out of central casting. Good-looking white guy. And perusing his platform, he was a run-of-the-mill 2004 con conservative. Tax cuts and the like. Now they would call him a rhino. Okay. Incidentally, my wife's parents probably knew this guy. Okay. They, they lived just north of that big quadrangle by U of C in Hyde Park. Okay, Ryan wasn't from Hyde Park, Obama was. Oh, okay. I don't- But you said he was But you said he was on the South side, right? No, I was referring to Obama being on the South side. Oh, okay. 
Jack Ryan, I'm not, this is my, I'm guessing here. He was a North side guy. I think he was actually a suburban guy. Okay. Would be weird because he was supposed to live in the city to teach at Chicago public schools, but I didn't think about that till now. Okay. The other thing was he was divorced from actress Jerry Ryan. Hmm. Do you know who Jerry Ryan is? It's ringing a bell, but I can't bring up a face. Really attractive blonde lady, best known for her roles in Star Trek and Boston Public. Wait a minute. Is she seven of nine? I think so, yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. That's an interesting little imagination. Oh, <laughs> wait, it, the, the, much of our story hinges on that connection. Okay. After what happened in the primary with the Democratic frontrunner, Jack and Jerry Ryan agreed to make their divorce records public, but kept the custody agreement under seal, which made the journalist at the Chicago Tribune and ABC7, WLS, curious as uh -huh. to what was in there. So they sued to unseal the documents. Now, yesterday, I spoke to Rick Pearson, who is covers politics at the Tribune and had a lot of bylines on this story. He said, actually told me he was, it was between covering this election and covering the, the Bush re-election was what he was focused on. He told me that long before Ryan announced, he knew Ryan had pol political aspirations and he took him to the Billy Goat, which the Billy Goat, if you want to know more about, we talked about in my first Some Lighter Fair, it's a dive bar <clears throat> where all the journalists hang out. And Mariners. So it's journalist Mariners. And then Pearson brings political hopefuls to see how they interact with regular folk. And Pearson was warned not to bring up his divorce. Ooh. But yeah, like it was cagey. But Ryan asked Pearson, if I run, do you think I'll have to talk about my divorce? <laughs> That's not suspicious. <laughs> not suspicious at all and talking to a journalist about what i might have to talk about yeah that's not gonna that's not gonna get anybody curious and pearson was like probably gonna come up because you're running for office and you were married <laughs> to a famous actress uh, uh -huh. <laughs> but he went around he went ahead and he ran for office as i said the they sue to get the records unsealed Ryan opposes it, claiming the information in the custody agreement would be detrimental to his special needs son. Oh. And I think there was a he there was a lot, there was a lot of pieces going out, trying to claim to my more like opinion writers right. about the son. Even at one point in time, Obama told the Democrats to back off on finding out wasn't what was in there. And there is a conspiracy that his supporters were in cahoots and actually putting pressure on the judge. Pearson said there's nothing to these claims. Obama just sat back. Like he, Pearson used how Obama acted as how the Republicans are acting with the House of Rep Representatives, the U.S. House of Representatives. Wow. My perception of this is so colored by the myriad 
excuses that Republicans have just thrown out like chaff during the last decade or so when they get accused of anything, my knee-jerk reaction is to say, oh, yeah, bullshit, you're using your son as an excuse, as a deflection. But I'm trying to put myself back in that time. And now that you tell me that Obama just hung back, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he, there was nothing for him to do. The guy was in trouble. Yeah. And Obama, yeah. by the way, already just crushing it in the polls. Because we'll get there. Yeah, his opponent was already in trouble. And so at the end of March, so the primary is beginning of March, end of February. At the end of March, the judge ruled to unseal the records. And this is from the Chicago Tribune. A California judge said Monday that sealed court records relating to Illinois U.S. Senate candidate Jack Ryan's divorce should be made public to show, quote, there is no favoritism to the rich and powerful, end quote. Wow. Recent as today's headlines. Yes. The Tribune goes on to say, but Los Angeles Superior Court Judge Robert A. Schneider put off a decision on precisely what to unseal until a court-appointed, quote-unquote, referee could determine what parts of the files are related directly to, quote-unquote, the best interests of Ryan's now nine-year-old son. Those records should not be opened, Schneider said. Okay. They're unsealing it. They're going to have a, a referee go through and see if there's anything that should not come out in the best interest of this nine-year-old son, which seems fair. Okay. So what I'm thinking of is all of my visits to Chicago, my wife's parents were very engaged in local politics. And so I've seen how Chicago politics operate at the grassroots level on a very neighborhood level in a way that I don't think New York politics do, at least not mm -hmm. to that extent. And I'm thinking there must have been an awful lot of chatter at the time on the neighborhood level, speculation as to, okay, what are we inferring based on the fact that they're withholding certain information that may be damaging to his son? One of his oppositions in the primary was the one who planted the seed. And oh. yeah, we didn't have we didn't have social media then. So right. we all just speculated at the proverbial water cooler. And right. my sister, who's was 22 at the time, knew people who knew people. And she knew exactly what was happening. I'm not going to tell you what she told us. Actually, right. it was a little it was a little different. There was speculation that it was of a sexual nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing that came to my mind is I, when I asked myself, okay, what would they choose not to reveal that could harm the sun? Yeah, that's where I went. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Ryan has an aide that at the time was semi-stalking Obama. Okay. This is from the Tribune. A campaign operative for Republican U.S. Senate candidate Jack Ryan will keep himself and his video recorder a few more paces away, away from his Democratic opponent, Barack Obama, a Ryan's spokesman said Friday. The spokesman also apologized if the operative invaded Obama's, quote, personal space, end quote. 
Ryan Staffer, Justin Warfell, had been trailing and filming Obama, a state senator from Hyde Park, since at least May 11th. Ryan Aide said they dispatched Warfell to monitor Obama in Springfield and in other downstate locales because they are trying to document if Obama's statements are consistent as he campaigns across Illinois. Huh. So Let me I ask you this. Yeah. Within the context of if it were today, I would say they're trying to intimidate him. But at that time, I would estimate they probably weren't going for that. The social media ecosystem wasn't really geared for that. It was more they're just trying to get as much on film as they can, hoping to catch a slip, hoping to dig up some dirt. That's yes. I actually talked to Rick Pearson mm-hmm. about this. And this is and the, the episode that's coming out next week. We start we talk a little bit about the changing of how politics works in Chicago and in the country. Now people are filmed all the time because yeah. they have we have access to cameras. This is 2004. Yeah. Right. It was weird in 2004. Now it's oh. Of course you've yeah. got people filming Ron DeSantis eating a turkey leg. But again, this was my local news. It was like a Mm -hmm. season of The Real Housewives. I would read the paper and wonder what was going to happen next. On June 22nd, 2004, the LA Times headline. At this time, LA Times and Tribune were owned by the same company, so there was a lot of crossover reporting. Mm -hmm. So... It was just a matter of what headline I pulled, what paper I pulled from. The LA Times headline reads, Ryan File a Bombshell. Okay. It goes on to say, Republican U.S. Senate nominee Jack Ryan's ex-wife, TV actress Jerry Hall, accused him of taking her to sex clubs in New York and Paris, where he tried to coerce her into having sex with him in front of strangers, according to record. Yes! Whoa. Okay. Oh my gosh, so many questions. I'm going to continue reading. I just want to let you know, this is the time to insert that my sister was the one who told me Jack Ryan was a swinger, which isn't quite true. But close enough in the park. I feel Uh, like by 2004, the concept of swingers was relatively well-tread in our popular culture. Yeah, I don't really, I just remember when this came out. It gets a little worse. The LA Times goes on to say, among the hundreds of pages of documents released was a legal filing dated June 9th, 2000, in which Jerry Ryan said she knew her marriage was over by the spring of 1998. She went on to contend that her then-husband, whom she repeatedly refers to as respondent in the filing, surprised her with trips to cities, but didn't tell her he planned to bring her to sex clubs while there. Okay. You know what this is reminding me of? I just recently listened to uh, some film nerds in uh, one of the, the, you know, the the ex-Cracked diaspora. A lot of people who work for Cracked Doctor. Yeah, like Robert Evans. I want to say it was Small Beans. They did a deep dive into Gerald's game. And the problem instigating the plot, driving the drama of Gerald's game, wasn't that they were playing kinky sex games. It was a matter of a breach of trust. 
Bingo. It was, oh, this isn't what I signed up for. So it's not necessarily that they were going to sex clubs or whatever. Maybe they had done that before. It was that, oh, you wait, you lied to me about the the basis upon which you scheduled this vacation. Yes. It's okay. a little grosser, though. It's just a little okay. bit of grosser. Okay. There were long weekends, supposed romantic getaways. This is from the LA Times. Supposed romantic getaways, Jerry Ryan said in the filing. The clubs in New York and Paris were explicit sex clubs. Respondent had done research. Respondent took me to two clubs in New York during the day. One club I refused to go in. It had mattresses in cubicles. The other club he insisted I go to. Mm. So it's almost... It's the breach of trust and it's a lack of consent. Yeah. Like, how does that even, how does that, what does the word insisted mean in this context? That's what I'm like getting, trying to get my head around. For somebody that in the public eye, mm-hmm. I can I, only, am I correct in assuming that would, if they were behind closed doors, maybe it was physical. I don't know. It's, it's like the, I'm curious to know how much he had intimidated her to the point where he didn't need to do anything physically, that's, psychologically. What does that mean? That's what I'm wondering. I don't know. I'm wondering if he was just... So it's 1998. So think just about, in general, traditional gender roles. Yeah. He was a... She was an actress, but he had the... I don't know what the power dynamic in their relationship was. Yeah, and I know that I may come across as sounding naive because I know that I'm an odd duck. I know that I am I am so allergic to traditional gender-based power dynamics that I am honest to a... a no, no, I don't consider it fault. I'm just scrupulously, scrupulously honest in my relationship with my wife and hypothetically speaking, if I wanted to entertain such a thing, I would be scrupulously honest about it. And I certainly would never even imagine any sort of intimidation tactics or, or even, that's why I said, what does intimidation or what does uh, insisting mean? What are you you talking? How would I insist (laughs) to my wife on that? What form would that take? No. Yeah, I think, though, we've got a man who's a millionaire, who's good-looking, political aspirations. I would just probably say there was a lot of ego there. Yeah, I don't think I can adequately get my head around what it's like inhabiting that life. That's what I think. That level of privilege, that level of uh, assumed power. And that's what it is, yeah, assumed power. The LA Times goes on to say, In releasing the files, Schneider allowed many passages to be blacked out. In the portions that were released, Jerry Ryan gave details of the trips. She says she was taken on to clubs in New York, Paris. She also alleged that Jack Ryan took her to a sex club in New Orleans, but no elaboration on that trip was included in the released portion of the file. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not looking good for Jack. And I know, so you know a little bit about Chicago politics and Illinois politics and and are having wacky and corrupt politicians, but even by our standards, this was nuts. Huh. It's and, funny. It's funny that, oh my God, 
our politics have gotten so crazy that I'm surprised at that. Because yeah. this seems relatively tame by today's standards. By today's standards, it seems relatively tame. And I think we'll talk about it the after that you can see where the wheels are coming off the bus even here. Mm -hmm. So in the aftermath, he provided this quote. A lot of people were saying to me the last three months is politically damaging to keep these files sealed. Just release the files. But what dad wouldn't do the same thing I did? What dad wouldn't try to keep information about your child that might be detrimental to the world knowing private, even the things moms and dads say to each other about each other should have been kept away from children? See, right there. Perfect example again of how I can't put myself into the headspace that someone with that much power occupies. Because literally, I was just thinking before you started that sentence, bullshit. If I were in that position, I could not construct a mental framework within which I had no ethical right to reveal that to my child. Because how could I support the assertion that my child doesn't deserve to know that? How does that not influence? How could disrespecting his mother so extensively that I actually intimidated her into a sex act she didn't want to do? How does that not influence my relationship with my child? I would have, have no ethical basis to insist upon secrecy. And here's the other thing. It's, there used to be a, like a saying, if it could end you up on the front page of the Tribune, you should, probably shouldn't do it like a negative way. If you think that what you, and I, I don't have kids, there's knowing the guilt about it or mm. knowing the bad look. Right. Knowing you shouldn't, I don't think doing things that are going to harm your child, if, if it's going to harm them. Because the kid was. See, that's what I'm. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I feel like I am self-aware enough to realize if if I had people breathing down my neck, a whole legion of people, a whole city full of people breathing down my neck, trying to point out something that I had done to my wife, there would be a significant part of my mind criticizing myself, saying, okay, this is on me, and my kid deserves to know the truth. That doesn't happen. Yeah. 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 Some Republicans didn't see a problem with this. Um, okay. A spokesperson for the National Republican Senatorial Committee said, we're not to looking at trying to replace Jack Ryan. He's an excellent candidate. We feel this race okay. will be decided on the issues. Okay. Okay. That's a fair point, too. I'm considering it from a purely personal and ethical point of view. Now I need to switch my head back to, hey, you know what? This doesn't influence my political, my political behavior. Okay, I can see that. However, most Republicans on the state and national level are mad, but not that Jack Ryan may have tried to have sex with his wife in public. Nope. He lied to them. Oh. And oh. it yeah and it's gentlemen's the, the gentleman's club agreement yes and i think it, i 
didn't get into it in here for brevity's sake, but there was a whole thing. He got really slimy with the head of the Republican Party in Illinois. Mm -hmm. She asked him if it would be politically embarrassing, and then it was politically embarrassing, and he tried to, like, do the I'm parsing words thing. Yeah. Which was just too... That, that he said, she said bullshit is just too complicated i think you'll get a gist of it the advisor for bush cheney campaign indicated that they would avoid campaigning in illinois also like they're not going to win illinois yeah <laughs> that's just off the table this is from the Tribune. Ryan said he expected the controversy surrounding Monday's release of documents by a California court would fade quickly. But state treasurer Judy Bartopinka, who also chairs the Illinois Republican Party, and former governor Jim Edgar both said they felt Ryan had not been forthcoming with them about politically damaging allegations in those records that he had taken his wife to sex clubs. Okay. They go on wow. to say, yeah. They go on to say such comments by Topinka, Edgar, and other leading republics, Republicans indicate the issues of Ryan's credibility among GOP officials and Republican primary voters has become as important in determining his fate as a Senate candidate as the charges he leveled by his ex-wife in the divorce file. Okay. Said, quote, never broke the law never broke one of the Ten Commandments, and never broke any of his wedding vows. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I, I guess I, I hadn't really stopped to think about what is and is not technically included in the Ten Commandments in regard to that, but maybe he's correct. Is, is this the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments don't actually say anything about disrespecting your wife on any level, right? Oh, that's yes. dirty. Well, it goes, okay, so the Tribune goes on to say, the, quote, talking points, end quote, railed against a, quote, end quote, despicable decision by a Los Angeles Superior Court judge, Robert A. Schneider, to unseal portions of the divorce file relating to the custody of Ryan's nine-year-old son based on a request by attorney for the Tribune and WLS Chicago 7. Ryan and his ex-wife had fought to keep the documents closed to the public. Now, this is a quote from the, uh, the campaign. The judge was appointed by Jerry Brown, the most liberal governor in California history. The campaign oh, talking... <laughs> so, in 2003, these talking points would be all caps on social media. Sure. All caps. Also, the judge wasn't appointed by Jerry Brown. <laughs> and <laughs> the, the whole thing about them being the most liberal. Yeah, I'm sure. Jerry Brown was pretty liberal. He also had a couple stints. They liked him there. Right. Then Ryan goes on to WBEZ, which is a radio station here. Okay. And says, this is a quote. She says three times over eight years of air marriage, we went to places that she felt uncomfortable. That's the worst of it. I think almost any spouse would take that as, gosh, if that's the worst someone can say about me after seeing me live my life for eight years, then people say, gosh, the guys lived a pretty clean life. 
I don't think we had the language to talk about this stuff appropriately then. We did. That, we, that yeah. statement, that's, and that statement leverages that lack of language. That statement leverages the presupposition that if you're not, if you're not squawking about how abusive this person is all the time, then you've got no right to say anything after the fact. And we've seen how profoundly cruel and wrongheaded that is. It's that. And Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And this, this speaks to the male privilege of it all, the white male privilege of it all. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I only made her feel uncomfortable a couple times. Also speaks to a guy who was born on third and thinks he hit a triple. Yeah. Yeah. And just the, it it still, it doesn't happen to me very much anymore because I'm older and I just don't deal with it but it's right up there with a dude who meets a girl and feels entitled to her telephone number Ooh, that's scary and i grew up at a time when that was pretty common yeah so did i yeah like that they're entitled to something like he was entitled to this because he's a man and he's married to her yeah. What I'm struggling with right now is the sort of ambivalence between two parts of my brain. One part of my brain is looking at it from the perspective of how could this clearly manipulative, if not abusive, person could, how could they have expected this to remain out of the public eye and expected people to go along with the notion that, oh, we got to save the children, blah, blah, blah. The other part of my mind is thinking, wait, maybe it's the public that's being unreasonable for having the expectations of personal lives being part of the political process. Because I think there's a certain 
percentage of, of people for whom this would be truly irrelevant to, to their political uh, aspirations. And I don't know enough about politics to say what that percentage is. Can you be scumbag and still be an effective politician? That's a tautology, isn't it? I think somebody's has to be a, a scumbag to a certain degree to achieve any level of, of political achievement. Yes. I think I think you do. You have to ambition to get political achievement. But there's also he had this expectation, and this goes back to the privilege, that this would never make it into the public record. And he didn't, and this happens all the time. He didn't get up in front of it. Okay. Like he no. could have gotten up in front of it. It's like the Herman Cain of it. Herman Cain's running for president and it comes out that he paid people off for sexual harassment. It's going to come out. Okay. They're gonna, they're, unless you're George Santos and no one pays any attention to you. Um, yeah. Now this figures into some thoughts that I've been turning over in my head as we've been speaking. The main reason that I am trying to think on my feet here because this is not a mode of inquiry that I'm accustomed to because I'm more focused on mid-19th century media. And at that time, no one would be talking about this stuff. I could name one or two scandal rags that would absolutely be talking about this stuff, but they were so obscure that they were like little flashes in the pan. All of the established newspapers that survived the long term would never have talked about this. Sometime between, say, 1868 and the end of the 20th century, that changed. And I'm wondering now, are we looking at a person who grew up with those expectations that you just mentioned? Were they set at a time when he was right to expect the media not to talk about it. I feel after I didn't have sexual relations with that woman, there's mm -hmm. no expectation that it's not going to be brought up. That's a good point. Because I listened to yeah. the last podcast on the left on the JFK assassination. Mm -hmm. And okay. nobody talked about how much sex JFK was having. Wait. So people weren't aware of the Monroe thing at the time? They were aware of it, but it wasn't getting, like, a news cycle. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it changed with I didn't have sexual relations with that woman. Okay. And created, I that's just my thing. I, of course, wow. was in college so for most of the Now I'm casting myself back to that and remembering how shocked I was that people were talking about that mm -hmm. at the time. So yeah, that was a tectonic media yeah. shift. I was a college kid in Chicago during the Clinton administration mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. didn't pay a lot of attention to anything other than being a college kid in Chicago. But yeah. I remember when that happened. Yeah. I think, and just also just the shifts in how politics are done via yeah. media. Yeah. Like Mayor Daly, the first one, was not a particularly great television mayor. Mm -hmm. And just changing times and how much harder it is, particularly in Chicago, for the machine to operate 
this day and age. Right. See, I'm not primarily focused on Chicago, which is why I'm a bit at sea right now. I happen to be focused on Syracuse, New York in the mid-19th century. And still, this is, I still feel like this is in my wheelhouse because my thing is the synergy between politics, culture, and media. And I've seen how they feed into each other and catalyze each other. So I'm wondering what you remember of the media polarization at that time and how they reacted to this. The media, it, it was just the story. Okay. It was just the story. And I think part of it was it had been building up for some, sometimes the time you got to it, you're like, oh, that's it. Okay. But did the news, I don't know what the newspaper landscape in Chicago was like at that time. Did they form opposing teams the way I'm accustomed to? I don't know. Cause I never read the Sun Times cause it was a murder okay. paper. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Mike Royko, who's one of, one of, one of my favorite writers of Chicago left the Sun Times when Rupert Murdoch bought it because he said the uh, paper a Murdoch paper is not fit to wrap a fish in. Sure. So you were in a camp if you read the Sun Times or you read the Tribune. I didn't watch a lot of I don't even know if I had a TV back then. I did not oh, I did, but I didn't watch I didn't watch the news on television because again I still don't watch the news on television. <laughs> like But yeah, it was just it was just a story. It wasn't, there wasn't a poll. Because remember, Obama is crushing it in the polls already. Yeah. So it wasn't like Lauren Boebert and Adam Finch and every misstep Boebert makes is going to get huge publicity because A, everyone hates her in the country. And B, yeah. it's, it's going to be a highly contested election. This was already done. Okay. In terms of polling. The thing about Chicago, too, and we'll get to this, it's not like it's even ever close. Our our last gubernatorial race, I think, was called seven minutes after the polls closed. Wow. Yeah. Not, yeah. It's never typically a close election. The closest it was, we had a mayoral election at a runoff, and we're not actually used to having kind of elections and having to even pay attention to things for a long time. Mayor Daly was mayor for 24 years. I feel and, if you haven't grown up in Chicago or studied it extensively, you're probably like, I probably have little chance of fully understanding the machine politics of that particular city. Yeah. It's hard to, it's, it's complicated and it is also, so Mayor Daly I did a, a podcast about Miggs Field, and he had just won by 70%. It's not like these are close elections. And one of the things that's almost a privilege when you don't have close elections is you don't have to pay attention to the campaigns. Mm. I saw two campaign ads during the gubernatorial race. Because you just figure out who you're going to vote for. Or a lot of times at the local level, our aldermen run on on opposed. So yeah, it's an interesting. It's I'm only I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it until I started doing this podcast. And boy, oh boy! So less than a week later, Ryan drops out of the race. We're going to get into an interesting little side note that is germane here, though. On 
July 20, the Associated Press ran an article with a headline reading, Illinois Jack Ryan abandons Senate bid. Okay. On July 27th, 2004, the, the Sunday Standard, a Kenyan-based outlet, reprinted the AP story with the following headline, Kenyan-born Obama all set for U.S. Senate. What? Is huh? Source, that is the record, source of- Record scratch. The source of birtherism. Jeez. Okay, you got to put like the world's biggest record scratch in there. What? 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 How? Why? Okay. When? Who? First of all, it is a Kenya newspaper. We don't know what it right? said in, in the, the original language. What, what do you mean we don't know? We don't know exactly. Don't that's, the that, that's the English transla translation. Okay, but how can we... You're, you're saying there is no good... It's, are you saying it's idiomatic? Or well, we his, don't know? His dad was born in Kenya. Right. It could have oh, been something okay. that said Kenyan. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It could have just been a, a slight difference in meaning. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And how it gets translated is this. Okay. See, the reason I was so flabbergasted is I was thinking in galaxy brain conspiracy terms of, oh my God, someone paid someone in Kenya to plant this word in their newspaper because they knew Obama was a rising star. It's, okay. Forget that. Never mind. All right. No, he was a nobody. His father was, what? didn't his father work yeah. in the government? I don't know. Yeah. I think his father worked for the Kenyan government. Okay. So it's... It wasn't, I don't think it was various as it was, right. he, but it is important to note that this is a source of birtherism. Oh my God. So just a, a, a journalist. A headline writer. Tick. Yeah. Like it's just a journalistic tick because you naturally want to call out that this person is from around here from this region, whatever that region, whatever level that is, naturally you're going to toss that into the headline. It's the same way that I was going to tell you this. What's that pizza joint at the UFC right on the southern Medici. of that big quad? Medici. Yeah, at Medici's, their cutting boards, they have etched into them part of Obama's brain cells come from Medici's pizza. Right. Everybody wants to claim a local connection. And that's where birtherism, oh my God. So now I'm going to send you something in the chats. because, And I want you to look at this link because this is why we're doing this episode now. Is huh? this. Because the conspiracy took on a new level. Did you get it? Not yet. I'm in the chat. I just sent it. There it is. Oh. Alleged Obama drug fueled gay orgy. That was just that thing was so preposterous that I never really devoted many many brain cycles to it. No, I so didn't when either. Was the alleged Obama drug fueled gay orgy. When was it? Wasn't that old? Nineties, I think. Yeah. So what's that got to do? 
so, so Musk himself is bringing this. Uh-huh. So Twitter, so you call oh, a sweet summer child. Tucker on Twitter or whatever they call themselves now, a couple right. weeks ago, had the Obama blowjob guy on his okay. Twitter X. Oh, yeah, I remember now. That's why this is coming up now. So, oh, my God. Elon sends this meme. And I, you guys, I'm going to include the meme in the show notes. But what it says is it's dominoes. And the biggest domino is alleged Obama, Dugfield, orgy. But the dominoes go from this. Jack Ryan at Paris Sex Club. Ryan drops out of Senate race. Obama takes his place. Obama didn't take Jack Ryan's place. Right. The conspiracy right. already. And then becomes senator, wins presidency, and then the drug field. So I don't know what kind of conspiracy Elon is spinning here because it falls apart at the replaces John J- Jack Ryan part. It's a non-starter because it presupposes that the biggest domino, that would be the coup de grace, right? That's what we were all planning for. Uh-huh. But who would be planning for the person who started it would not be the one planning the Obama sex orgy, would it? I don't get it. I don't understand it at all. I've been thinking about doing this for a little bit, and then I saw I that meme, and I'm I like, can't get over. I can't get over how pathetic it was that Tucker had that guy on, and I think that's one of the reasons. I had forgotten it. I think my brain just was so depressed at that I just immediately forgot it. I had been thinking about this episode when the meme came up, and I'm like, okay, got to do it now so that everybody knows how ridiculous it is that thinking that Obama replaced Jack Ryan. That's why I did that. I don't really care about the drug fueled. I- yeah, it's probably got a lot of both sides are the same juice in that statement where they're framing it as a replacement if if you're a conspiracy theorist in your head that is a replacement because both sides are the same they're just filling a slot with the guy that they want in order to achieve some overarching conspiracy i think elon's brain thinks that they took a hit on jack ryan and then the, the deep space state put Obama in to replace Jack Ryan, which. Oh, a- so Elon is saying, oh, look at the deep state. Look at how stupid they are. They tried to replace him, but then they got something just as bad. Right. Oh, but the oh. deep state didn't replace Orion right. with Obama. But speaking of replacements, who are they going to get to run? They go to former Governor Edgar. He's a no. Topinka, a no. Fitzgerald. Uh, no, because they all know they can't win the race. Okay. Then they go to former Chicago Bears coach, Mike. <laughs> you got to understand all I know about Ditka comes from SNL. I figured most people do. <laughs> there, I'm going to throw it in the show notes, but there's John McCain about this. Like, this is. Oh, my God. So we've gone from. Sealed divorce records to sex clubs to will Mike Ditka run for senator? <laughs> what did Ditka have any choice words about he, this? Well, he considered oh it. It's God. all in the show notes. And his his words were, I don't know how I do on the Senate floor if I got in a confrontation with someone I didn't appreciate or maybe didn't appreciate me. 
Yeah. Also, he had at the time, this was almost 20 years ago, he was on ESPN. Right. He had endorsement deals. He would have to give everything up but his restaurant. Oh. Now we're getting into the my brain is broken territory because if I claimed to understand that, then I would have to claim that I understand how Trump wasn't immediately brought up on the emoluments clause. And I Um, don't understand that. I don't understand that either. Just really don't, except for he got away with it. (laughs) That's all right. I'm in the process of researching and recording episodes on Ed Burke, who's a Chicago alderman who was in office for 54 years. Right. And he was described as thoroughly corrupt by the FBI. But he got okay. away with it for 54 years. Right. And then that may be just like a unique way of looking at Chicago politics is we're just used to corruption. It's like, like, yeah. Yeah. It, Incidentally, do you want to hear my Jerry Ryan story? Yes. While we were talking, I Googled just to confirm. And yes, she is the actress who played Seven of Nine and who is now on Picard which I was very happy to see her because I love that actress. And here's the story. Back when she first appeared on Voyager as Seven of Nine, I was totally anti-Jerry Ryan because I was trying to be a good liberal. And I say that because I was pissed because she was essentially, you could tell, she was a replacement for the character of Kess who had left the show. Tess was this delightful little waif-like creature. She put on the appearance of almost like a fairy. And contrast that with Jerry Ryan, stacked like a Playboy model in this skin-tight spandex suit. And I was so pissed that they were playing to the more lascivious members of the viewing audience, clearly. And it was like, it felt like an insult to me as someone who's trying to be a good liberal to replace this character that I loved with Tits McGee. And I stopped watching Voyager not long after that. And I think that was the main reason why. Like something like 20 years later, I want to say, somebody was telling me how Voyager was really good. And I was like, oh, and I thought it was trash. And then... On their recommendation, I started it up again, and it turned out that I had stopped watching just before it got really good. And a lot of the good stuff, a lot of the good stuff deeply involved her character. She's really good. And my it was like I second or triple guessed myself into not seeing what a good actress she was at the time. Oh, but you were a good liberal. I was trying to be. I was trying to be. So Rick Pearson told me yesterday he was terrified that Ditka would run (laughs) because he'd have to do vetting and reporting and possible takedown of a Chicago hero. Not a takedown, but who, who wants to vet the coach? Yeah. Yeah. So the Republicans basically do an open casting call where people can just show up if they want to run for office. Mm-hmm. Best and the brightest here. Apparently, one person showed up dressed as George Washington. 
Of course. <laughs> of course. They settle on Massachusetts resident Alan Keyes. Okay. Who moved just in time to qualify for the election. Okay. Do you know much about Alan Keyes? He's a Republican. He's I'm not going to include a lot about his background. It's something that will become apparent during what happens in this campaign. He's worth noting another black politician, a black conservative. Okay. He hosted the Alan Keyes show, colon, America's Wake Up Call from 1994 to 1998. Mm, okay. Let me see if I can. He was a diplomat under Reagan. He had a role in the Reagan administration. He. Yeah, I'm ran... looking at his wicking now. Yeah. And I'm surprised. Like, I know the name, but uh, his face doesn't really ring a bell. I expected it to. He ran for office a lot. I just wanted to make sure that he hadn't won. I knew it had roles, but he never won an election is the okay. important thing. Okay. And I wanted to confirm that before saying he's a kind of failed politician in the electoral realm. Okay. And hella conservative. And at this point in time, the Chicago, the Republicans in Illinois, they were more a moderate party, but some of the far right wingers wanted to in fact one of his aides for Alan Keyes's campaign was a guy named Dan Proft. He's a local right wing weirdo who moved to Florida and host a radio show about Chicago. Hmm. Not too long ago, he had Moms for Liberty co-founder on his show. Ooh. Ooh. So when I told you that someone came on Twitter to make fun of my make fun of me. All the right-wing journalists who claimed TikTok to to talk about Chicago who claimed to live in Chicago don't actually live in Chicago. Oh, it's they actually live in the suburbs then. They've got a guy named John Cass who worked for the Tribune for a long time but got a buyout and he moved to Indiana. Okay. And then you've got Dan Proft who moved to Florida. And he's got a woman named Amy Jacobson, who was an investigative reporter, was reporting on something. And I think she got caught on a bikini with the subject of her investigation and on a on okay. a boat. So Dan Proft and John Cass just did an event up in the suburbs to talk about the Chicago way. Oh, that just in, tells you what you need to know. OK, but even he would apologize for some of Alan Key's behavior. Wow. And this was much more of a vanity project, more of a vanity or exposure project, really, for Keyes. And he didn't even give it the good old junior college try to campaign. Okay. He ran on one issue. Abortion. Of course. And he said Jesus Christ wouldn't vote for Obama. Oh, I remember that quote. He's that guy. Okay. He also sprinkled in some homophobia. Sure. One theory is they wanted him to run because he was black. Running against another black man. And either mm -hmm. way, that would have been the only black person in the Senate. Also, 2004, no black people in the Senate. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I'm casting my mind back again, and I'm thinking that actually 
was probably par for the course on a national level, wasn't it? There were very few politicians who were staking claim on pro-LGBT, right? Oh, absolutely. Because I didn't start my LGBT advocacy blog until 2009. And I remember uh, my heart was racing when I made my first post because it felt like I was really, and I was risking relationships with family and extended family. I was really putting something out there that was not generally accepted at the time. That was 2009. <laughs> so, and I was in New York state. So, yeah. You can look at it two ways about both of those things. We can say that was almost 20 years ago, or we can say that was only 20 years ago. Yeah. That's I'm thinking the latter. Yeah. It's like when I did the Tylenol murders and I realized that Jane Byrne, who was elected in 1980 to be mayor of Chicago, was the person that told cops not to patrol gay bars and arrest people. Yeah. That was still happening yeah. in 1980. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Obama won the election by plus 40. Jeez. He got 70% of the vote. Okay. He's earned 27% of the vote, but didn't concede until two days later. Why? We've got a quote. I'm supposed to make a call that represents the congratulations towards that, which I believe ultimately stands for and will stand for a culture evil enough to destroy the very soul and heart of my country. I can't do this. I will not make a false gesture. I'm lost. That's how he conceded. He conceded in a radio show saying he won't call to concede because calling would be conceding would and offering a congratulations would be. How, how is it evil to concede when you've already got oh, no. confirmation that there's 70%? No, Obama is going to be the culture of evil. Oh, I thought you meant it was the uh, the act of evil was conceding prior to the numbers were known. Okay, you're saying more general than that. He's just saying Obama is the evil force. Yes. Okay. Okay. Obama is evil and it's going to destroy the very heart and soul of Alan Keyes' country. So he basically professed to not giving a shit what the voters thought. That, that was irrelevant to him. It mm -hmm. was really just a question of he's fighting evil right and, and okay. he could get his sound bites in there he knew nothing about illinois he knew nothing about illinois politics but he could get his sound bites in there and give yeah. himself greater exposure and yeah. as a black man could say the things that other people might not be able to say right now Here's what's been coming to my mind ever since we started the conversation about keys. To what degree do you feel that there was a Candace Owens effect operating? Oh, 100%. Okay. 100%. Spoiler alert. Obama goes on to be president. Mm -hmm. Mike Ditka later regretted not running saying, quote, my biggest mistake I've ever made, not that I would have won, but I probably would have, and he wouldn't be in the White House. Wow. 
here's a here's an interesting what if and uh, i don't think it's as naive as it appears on the surface just because most voters are so uninformed what would have been the optics of ditka running do you think people would have looked upon him the way a lot of people look on john fetterman i don't know optics are so much of that yeah i I don't actually know that much about john fetterman's past now that i think of it i just know the optics yeah i don't know i don't know i don't think it would have been good for ditka in the long run because he's now just full-on maga and i think Mm -hmm. people being uninformed about that just Give them grants them a lot of grace. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea how conservative he was until I researched this. I didn't know until you just told me. Yeah. I think it's probably better for him that he didn't run in the long run because no one's protesting his steakhouse. Shortly after Obama won Alan Keyes brought forth a lawsuit about Obama not being a citizen. Oh, boy. Jack Ryan's Wikipedia page still links the AP article via the Sunday Standard headline. This is just depressing in different ways than I expected. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... I I approach every episode that I write for why is this relevant? Why is this now? And Mm -hmm. first we've got the dumbass Elon conspiracy meme implying that the deep state did Jack Ryan in as opposed to Jerry Ryan doing Jack Ryan in second as gross and as wild of a ride as this 2004 Senate election became, don't you think if Obama was a crack-smoking gay sex haver, it would have become public knowledge then? Damn, it would Hey, can we go into the meta conversation about Elon for a minute? Sure. I'm thinking about this because of the headlines just during the last 48 hours that claim that Elon is seriously considering making Twitter pay to play. And this is yet another instance of my reacting to a story like that with, no, no, that that's nonsense. It's not real. Like he, he doesn't believe that he has no intention of doing that. He's just saying it specifically because he knows how people are going to react. No, there's no such thing as bad publicity. I think Elon just wants people to think he's a stupid shithead who is just this. I think he I don't think he's ignorant of how he comes across. And. So I'm looking at this meme in light of that. I don't think he or most people in politics today believe a word they're saying. I think they're just trying to get a reaction. Oh, absolutely. I don't know about Elon because he does do some really dumb things, but I think a lot of times it's just trying to get a reaction. Look, the the guys over at Chapel Trap House talk about it a lot. This need for more likes, more attention. It's never enough. This online addiction is just insatiable on certain ilk of people. 
And then it just has to go further and further to more to the absurd to you've got Matt Walsh now saying voting isn't a God-given right. Yeah. Yeah, it just keeps getting more and more absurd. That said, I also think Elon needs some money and I wouldn't be surprised if he, I think Elon, by the way, the dollop just dropped an Elon episode today. Yeah. This oh. Week. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of Elon makes sense just in the first 15 minutes that his uh, grandfather was part of an anti-Semitic group. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I but, think. But he can't possibly believe that move will make him money, right? This is my whole theory about the far right and the neo-Nazis and Nick Fuentes of the world. They think that they're far more popular than they are. They think that their ideas are way more popular than they are. There's a group that with the Boogaloo does if you can start a race war, the normie white people will get fed up and take the side of the Nazis. Huh. I think there's a level of delusion. Put it in the parlance that I know you'll understand. It's Stuart Rhodes thinking that Donald Trump was going to give him the military <laughs> control. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Stuart Rhodes believed that with every fiber of his being. Yeah. Yeah. He's not to the level of, say, uh, Mike Lindell, who clearly believes everything with the fiber of with every fiber of his being. I've never seen such a useful idiot, but probably along the same vector. Yeah. So I think Elon thinks that more people will pay. Huh. Yeah, that's right. Elon probably has the luxury of listening to many more positive reactions than negative. So his optics are very different than mine. He, I look at that. And I'm like that. How could you be stupid enough to think that would ever make you anything but broke? He fires people who disagree with him. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He's like the tech Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he has a very clear, and I don't mean he's, I just don't think the people around him have him have a clear grasp on reality. Because sure. I don't know anybody who would pay for Twitter. No, no, nor do I. And most, I mean, maybe in, engagements up maybe a little bit because we're watching the tra the train wreck that it is. I was struck that looking at just the last 20 years, so many norms, like conceding when you lose, have gone by the wayside. Yes. The people just leaping over lines that up until they leapt over them, we didn't realize, oh, we didn't actually have a law for that? We were just engaging in a social contract where no one would ever imagine doing that. What? What? What just happened? And I, I just was just reading an article yesterday about one of the generals, and I can't remember which General one. General Milley. Was it? The, was the, it? Where he said he finally just reached a breaking point when Trump walked across the lawn. And he said, this is bullshit. I'm out. And it took that for him to realize that he was in the middle of something that he just wasn't psychologically prepared for oh, because of that that breaking of norms. I don't know if it was you know, Millie. Yeah. 
when Trump walked across the lawn to get his photo shot with the Bible. And oh, the Bible. Yes, that was. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, there's just so many. Like, how many elected politicians have not conceded from the 2022 midterms? Or not, how many uh, failed politicians? No idea. There's so many. Yeah. Like, I. I follow Michigan politics and there was actually a brawl at their last GOP statewide meeting. Somebody kicked another guy in the balls. Oh, this is mostly what I'm left with is this is a cautionary tale for the Republican party because they ignored the Buckley rule. And since then they have reaped what they sowed. Are you familiar with the Buckley rule? No. It's uh, William F. Buckley. You don't nominate the most conservative guy in the room. You nominate the most conservative guy in the room that can win an election. Okay. Okay. And, And it's brought the Republican Party in Illinois so far that they might remain a minority party for, they might never come back. Okay. Yeah. They've had a few at the state level have won, like uh, governor. We had a Republican governor, but yeah. Yeah, and listen, I am not saying the Democratic Party is perfect, and they definitely have also had moments where they've torn themselves apart in the city of Chicago, so there you have it. Maybe it's... Right. So do you have any last thoughts? Oh, I just wanted to add to what you were saying about the Republican Party. I'm not a rep Democrat or anything, but I feel like regardless of what level you're at, if you're still attaching yourself to that party at all, you're morally bankrupt and you are part of a system that cannot progress sanely. It's locked onto a track which is destined for spiraling insanity, if not extinction. Yeah, I agree. Nobody's even talking about issues anymore. Yeah, it's just culture war. It's, and this is what I was thinking of in terms of trying to get my head back into that headspace during Obama's initial run. People at that time were not yet geared up to consider themselves, and I'm gonna borrow from QAnon here, digital warriors. Now, I think even the sanest of us has that little knee-jerk reaction of, I've got to have a take. I've got to take a side. I've got to represent for my side of the culture war. And that is, you want to talk about a new development, just a flash in the pan, just like that happened within our culture so quickly. It's terrifying. It, it is terrifying. And it's, I try to tell people like, you, you don't really have to have an opinion on every subject. Yeah. In fact, there are subjects I say I don't have enough information to have an opinion. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, everything. It's just so much has changed. And you can see so many nuggets of how we got here. Yeah. Is there anything you want to plug? Oh, I am hoping that, among other things, this will tip me over the edge into making a much more recent episode of my my podcast. I'm hoping that by the time this airs, I will have a new episode of Historic Headlines, 
that's my podcast. I focus on interpreting history through the lens of historical media. And you should be able to find that anywhere or just Google historic headlines. There's not that many people doing what I do. Excellent. I will definitely check that out. And Listeners, thank you so much. Hit the subscribe button faster than a Republican commits a sex act in public. Leave a five-star review before we talk about the tan suit and tell all your friends <laughs> so you can create a grassroots coalition of O Malort supporters. And Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.